Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in light of, what is it, Sola Scriptura and Tota Scriptura. <laughs> I'm Cody Fields, the president of Westminster Effects. Buy stuff for your guitar at WestminsterEffects.com. You can join the discussion at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. You can support the show at anchor.fm. Even a dollar a month helps. You can subscribe and comment on Facebook and Instagram. And every time you do that, every time you do that, you are entered to win a book. We are not joined by one Luther and John Ross, Augsburgian Christian, occasional sexy boat captain, but in person I am joined by... Hey, it's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And we've already had a little bit of a morning. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we Man, did we ever. Did our... Uh, our every other tuesday philippians bible study mm-hmm. uh as that we've just started yeah that's going well yeah and it's and it's mostly older folks which i always appreciate i've she, i've always liked old people <laughs> i don't that's know a what, good thing i don't know what that says about me uh, it's uh, fun it's, it's a lot of fun it is um, and and it's i think the most fun part is they just don't have any filters no filters they just say whatever they want yeah and it's great. <laughs> it's great. They they feel no pressure whatsoever to s- answer with what they might think I'm looking for. Yes. When I ask questions, which yeah. is refreshing. It's yeah. really refreshing. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Because even in, I mean, my life group is very outspoken. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially with some of the people involved. Uh, there are even times there where I can sense a little hesitation, but the, the crowd here has absolutely none. No, and it's, it's it's super fun. If you if you can at, at your local church, start a midweek morning Bible study. <laughs> yes, for those who have flexible schedules, that's what we did. We just promoted it like that, and yes. so we've got a few young folks like yourself, and then a lot of older retired. Yes, and it's such a fun. Such a fun group. Yeah, it's it's a good mix, and and I I mean honestly, we need more intergenerational mixing anyway. No doubt. No doubt. Where uh, there was actually a little a little while when I was in high school when I was just like, I don't like our youth group, so I went to the old people Sunday school. <laughs> I, I I love it, <laughs> and it was fantastic. That's, I love it. <clears throat> so. Uh, Piggybacking off of last week's discussion a little bit mm-hmm. with the happenings in Afghanistan, one one of the things that I keep coming back to um, is the imprecatory psalms. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really something that the church gen- in general hasn't really thought well through. Like, there are a lot of psalms where it's David or whichever writer saying, hey, God, can you kill that guy? <laughs> or those guys plural (laughs) Um, you even to the point where you have one psalm ending with blessed is he who dashes their babies on the rocks yeah 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 and our softened american christianity with no real reference point for such abject in your face evil we shy away from that a lot and and i keep coming back to Hey, God, if you're not going to convert the Taliban, can you just wipe them out? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and even 
more more prefacing uh, i think of revelation 15 regardless of your thoughts on revelation uh-huh. uh you have the church praising god for sending people to hell <laughs> for exercising divine justice yep. right yep um so how do we think through that whether it's afghanistan whether it's i think we could even go so far as to say something like planned parenthood where we understand them to be butchering babies in the womb yes um etc etc is it appropriate to pray the imprecatory psalms uh ever if so how well i i wouldn't say that you know i don't think the the any of the psalms or any of the prayers in scripture are there explicitly for the purpose of reciting them as though there's some sort of incantation right that we god intended for us to to use um, even, even the even, lord's prayer yeah lord's prayer psalm 23 he makes me lay down by still waters if i say that enough my life will go better exactly right. and I, I don't think you know when jesus's disciples asked him to help them pray teach us how to pray he said, pray like this, which I don't think means recite these words over and over again exactly as I say them. I think he gave a um, – it really gave a set of, should we say, principles, headlines, yep. bullet points that could help us and guide us in how we approach the Lord. Um, and I think this, the Psalms, all the Psalms, and particularly the imprecatory Psalms, give us some – guidance some uh perspective some help you know mm-hmm. uh, maybe help is the best word mm-hmm. in how to pray when we are facing a tremendous evil yeah and i think that there, there's so much we could say about this we need a biblical perspective on evil we do yeah that that's important like you if my neighbor doesn't keep his yard the way I want him to. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean I need to pray in precatory psalms right. over him, right? Like that's that that's God. Will, will you burn his house down? Will you of. burn his house down? <laughs> will you kill his dog? Which I I mean to be honest, I have I wouldn't say I've prayed for it, but I've I've longed <laughs> for an, a, a, the hawk that lives in the woods behind my house to pick up his little runt dog that yaps all the time and just take it somewhere don't kill it just take it somewhere um so it it, it's it we need a biblical perspective on evil and we need to um let the psalms the imprecatory psalms give us some perspective on the kind of prayers that god welcomes i mean you know the, the the imprecatory psalms are more than this, but they're not less than this. David yeah. pouring out his heart. He's yeah. had some pretty wicked things done against him. Absolutely, yeah. People that he considered close friends and family turned their back on him because they're trying to snuggle up to Saul. Yep. Um, and when Saul turns on David, so it's because they want Saul's favor because Saul's still the king. Right. David's not. You got uh, stuff with Absalom where Absalom. his own son turns his own on him. Son turns on him, and he's mad. Yeah, he's hurt, and he's pouring out all that emotion in the right place. Right, David doesn't take vengeance himself. You know, there's mm-hmm. a moment in the cave where he could have killed Saul. Yeah, 
and well, he didn't. <laughs> because we got to go there on the podcast. While he was taking a dump. <laughs> while he was taking a dump. <laughs> he didn't do it, and he could have, right? Yep. And so we, we are, there, there's important things to understand is that David didn't take matters in his own hands. He poured out his heart and emotions to God. And I think the other piece to this is if we understand prayer in and of itself to be a means through which God accomplishes his sovereign purposes. Yes. And it's not always true that God's going to wipe out evil. Not immediately. Not immediately. Yeah, yeah. Not immediately. He's not always going to do that. But could our prayers be a means through which he's intended to do that in some cases, in some places, i.e. the Taliban? Mm-hmm. Could it be that the Lord would have the church and and people within his church be called to pray for the eradication of a wicked regime, of a wicked uh, power structure yep. that would bring peace and 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 end suffering for so many people, a lot of Christians included in Afghanistan, absolutely he could. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, we, we've talked about this before on the podcast, being led in prayer is so huge and important. And, you know, we just did this class on prayer with uh, my pastor, Brian Alkin in the river, mm-hmm. where we looked at the life of Abraham um and were you in that class i wasn't okay i was in the evangelism that's right you were in the evangelism. So, which which kind of gave the framework of it doesn't have to be exactly like this but like this exactly right? and that was the approach of this class yep. abraham was called the friend of god so if he was the friend of god what can we learn from abraham's praying one of the interesting takeaways and again this does not talk about all types of prayer mm-hmm. i mean there there are many different types of prayers in scripture but Abraham's conversations with the living God, which that in and of itself should cause us to pause. Right. It was not just Abraham doing all the talking. Mm. Um, but even more so than that, one of the interesting things we noticed was that many of the recorded prayers that Abraham prayed and conversations that he had with God were not started or ended by Abraham. They were started and ended by God himself. Interesting. The Lord came to Abraham and said, thus and so. And then Abraham had some questions about that. Yeah. And then it says, and when the Lord was done, he left. <laughs> so the Lord started and ended the conversation. And don't, so, Don't you love how abrupt the Old Testament is sometimes? It, it's amazing. Like the genealogy. This guy lived this long, and he died. And this guy lived this long, and he died. Moses and God went on a walk, and... Only God came back. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua, you're up, (laughs) right? But could it be that the living God would want to guide us in our praying? Right. Could there be room and space? And I know for some this might weird them out, but could there be room and space in our prayer life to say, Lord, how would you have me pray about Afghanistan and the Taliban? Which gets into... Even this is my second reference to Romans eight today. <laughs> the first one being yeah, in the Bible yeah. study, uh, but the we don't even know how to pray unless the Spirit leads in the first place. Exactly, and sometimes He uses groans. Hey God, ugh, this sucks. I don't know how to pray, and the Spirit turns that into a legitimate, well thought out prayer. Right, like absolutely, I which mean, is mind boggling. I, I was talking with my wife about this last night. 
we we were sitting on the couch and we we're having a conversation about prayer and she kind of teared up and i don't think she would mind me sh- sharing this but she kind of teared up i mean she, she tears up all the time yeah so. she's a crier <laughs> but she was saying you know and we were because we had been talking about afghanistan and the taliban and and we had prayed about that at church with the church on sunday and um and and then we were talking about covid and you know how to think about this and what the implications are for the church and blah 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 and she just kind of teared up and said you know sometimes i get frustrated and discouraged because i don't know what the lord's will is in all these things Mm -hmm. and so i almost feel like what's what's the point you know it's just that we we know the answers to these questions she knows the answers to these questions right but it's wrestle with a sovereign god who's lord over it all ruling over it all and how does he want us to pray about these things Mm -hmm. i don't know but what what we started to think and we went to romans 8 was that even third, third reference? Third reference. <laughs> even when I when I look at Afghanistan, for example, and the Taliban, and I know James chapter one, I know what James instructed those believers to do: count it all joy in the midst of suffering. Yep. And so, would it be right for me to pray for those believers that they would count it all joy? Absolutely, it would be. But there's this longing in me, and there was this longing in her to pray, God, overthrow the Taliban. Get those Christians out of there. Bring them to safety. Mm-hmm. Bring those children and babies and men and women to safety and end their suffering. There's this longing and this cry. And should we be hesitant to pour that out because we're not sure if that's God's will, that maybe he wants to glorify himself in their suffering? I don't think it's either or. I think it could be both and because right. Romans 8 says, when I groan, when I groan because what I long for, my groanings come out as, God, bring those people to safety. I don't want them to suffer, even if that's not God's plan for an individual Christian in Afghanistan or a group of Christians in Afghanistan. Maybe he wants to glorify himself in their suffering. What I know is that even in that groaning that I'm pouring out to God, the mm-hmm. Spirit is coupling it with intercession. Yeah. He's coupling it with intercession that is directly in line with God's will. So I can groan to the Lord, yep. right? Yep. I can pour out my heart to the Lord. And that's that's at least what the imprecatory Psalms are, is right. David pouring out his heart to the Lord, and it ended up in inspired Scripture. Right. And so my point is simply – when we face evil, it's good to pour out our heart to God. And in some cases, that might mean pray for the eradication of evil, wicked people. Yeah. Remove them from the earth, Lord. Um, re- turn the tables. Remove the mm-hmm. suffering from your people and cause them to suffer. That pouring out could, yes, first be just our falling at Jesus' feet. And it could also be a means through which God is going to remove evil and good's going to overcome. And yeah. it could also be our groaning that the Spirit is coupling with intercession that's in line with God's will. All of that's possible. Yeah. And another another perspective on the imprecatory Psalms is 
you know, you have the you always have to stay positive kind of word of faithy type of stuff. Right. Uh, the the most ridiculous uh, example I can think of is Ken Copeland saying, "You shouldn't say that blew me away because somebody said that, and then a tornado leveled his house, and you know, he manifested him. that with his <laughs> with his words and whatever. Uh, like that that's absurd, but." You you have people who want to only pray happy things yes. and only talk about happy things, and the Psalms show us, no, it's not all sunshine and rainbows right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even 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 for us, or not you yet, uh, <laughs> not you're you're not post mill yet, but <laughs> <laughs> one I don't, day, I don't one know day. what I am one day. Uh, but even for us post mill folk, uh, we understand. It's not all going to be sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and whatever. No. There's still sin in the world, um, and we have to deal with that somehow, and the Psalms show us how to pour that out to God. They and do. That, and it gives us comfort that even a man after God's own heart and David could pray things like that. Yes. And for Revelation to tell us that the prayers of the saints are like incense yeah. in God's nostrils. Yeah. And then the picture in Revelation 6 is it where the martyrs – cry out to god for justice yeah is it five or six i think it's six they they cry out to god when how long before you avenge the evil visited on us yep and god doesn't ding them for that right it it says they're given a white robe and told it told to rest a little longer until the number he said give me a minute give me a minute (laughs) it's it's okay like that i i think don't miss yes Laud the sovereignty of God in that, that even the martyrs are numbered. Right. But also laud his comfort and his compassion Yep, that, that is also put on display there. Yep. Just give me a minute, rest, I've got it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think, I think in many ways I picture God the Father doing the same thing with David when he cried out. I mean, David was called a man after God's own heart. Yeah. He hated evil. And mm-hmm. the Bible says... God abhors the wicked. Yeah. Detests the wicked. It's, it's such stronger language than just Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan no, for your life. No, that's absolutely right. <laughs> and and again, I think, you know, we need a biblically informed perspective on evil. Um, and we don't just need to casually, flippantly go around calling people and things evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's clear, when it's when it's abundantly clear, I think there there's cause for the church to pray, Oh God, yeah, bring justice yep. and mercy, uh, mercy for your people and justice to those who are wicked. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> uh, I think we uh, I think we fleshed that out fairly well. Let's go to the Inquisition. the inquisition where you contribute directly to the show we answer it on the fly you ask us questions in a weekly post in the westminster effects doxology podcast lounge on facebook and by the way those questions get you answered or entered dead gamut those questions get you entered to win a book so submit your questions every monday when i ask you so as is tradition we start with brian morris this will be your smile and nod question, Bradley. <laughs> he asks, what is your least favorite overdrive sound? <laughs> Bradley, I know you're just 
identical gearhead in the guitar world. I wish I had some clever quip to offer, but I, I I'm that ignorant. Yeah. Um. I mean, technically, you know, all you know, the there's a spectrum from overdrive to distortion to fuzz. I'm not a fuzz guy. Mm. Just not a fuzz guy. Fuzz is more like the what ZZ Top kind of sound or somewhat. Uh, <laughs> I think there's some smashing pumpkin stuff with fuzz. Okay. Okay. Uh, just that over the top. Uh, I think of, you know, being a connoisseur of louder genres, doom and sludge metal, uh, use a lot of fuzz and I'm, I'm just not a fuzz guy. Mm. Uh, but then also I don't like, and I, I don't think this is particular to me. I'm not a fan of overdriven fender amps. Uh, it gets flubby. And just that flubby yeah that the bottom end just gets super loose and kind of gross sounding and that kind of stuff and really only fender amps only distort with power amp distortion where you just crank the volume and the power tubes get saturated and mm. and it breaks up that way i'm not a fan of that mm. i'm much more a fan of natural preamp distortion like mm. like good marshall sounds good mesa sounds or Van Halen sounds since he had his own line <laughs> under Fender and those amps are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So much fun. Uh, our, our third guitarist actually has an EVH and it's, mm, it sounds good. <laughs> what do you think of slash? <laughs> are you trying to get me to rant? Have, have you heard me rant about this before? No. <sighs> his tone is fantastic. That's why, I, that's why I brought it up. Yeah. His tone is great. <clears throat> but my hot take is that Slash and Angus Young are the two most overrated guitarists of all time. I, 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 I wouldn't say that I am well-informed enough to, to make that conclusion. Yeah. What I will say is that I think whether they wrote them or there was collaboration, they came up with incredible riffs oh yeah that made them sound yes like world-class players yes but i will say this of slash if you've ever heard him improv it's pretty weak yeah it is like it like is. when i i know good guitar players when you just somebody hops on a bass and a drum and it's like we're in the key of whatever and just go yes the guys that can really really play it sounds just as good as when they have these, you know, fleshed out, written out, planned out yep. riffs and solos in certain songs. And, and the same thing can go for gear, too. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw, there was a John Mayer video flopping around somewhere in the ether where he was at like this backyard party and he was playing a $120 Epiphone Les Paul special through this crappy amp and he made it sound like John Mayer. Because he's John Mayer. He's incredible. <laughs> Prince. Yeah. Dude can freaking play. Whatever you think about his songs. Yeah. The dude could play. There, there was this YouTube clip that came out where it was a Saturday Night Live something anniversary celebration or whatever. And f- the after party, they just had a band set up on the stage. There was no hired band. It was just there was drums, bass, a few guitars, keys, and some microphones and because of the who's who that was there, mm-hmm. uh, somebody ended up on the drums, somebody ended up on the bass, and people that could play. And like Taylor Swift gets up and does songs and other people. Uh, but then somebody, I think Jimmy Fallon was kind of emceeing the thing. Somebody says, hey, Prince is here. 
and Prince comes up on the stage, grabs some random guitar, and they start playing Let's Go Crazy Tonight. Yeah. And freaking rips the place to shreds. No, Just yeah. goes nuts. I mean, because the dude can play. Yeah, and one of the... I think I'm right about this, but in his signature guitar, he used EMG pickups. And we're talking the same active, like super high output, active pickups that like Zach Wild from mm-hmm. use, mm-hmm. uh, James Hetfield of Metallica. Yep. <laughs> like these are metal pickups. And he's over here with the same pickups, making them sound the way he does <laughs> he's an incredible player if you ever catch one of his like where it's just him and an acoustic guitar i haven't seen any of those oh it's phenomenal i mean i and yeah. i can say i don't really love prince's songs but right the guy can play the guy can play or the same thing with you know steven our worship minister just saw tommy emmanuel play oh and the dude's just doing all that just with an acoustic he's a real are, player, are you man. kidding he's a real player <laughs> I had more to say about that than we Yeah, how about it? How about it? So, last question. Casey Starnes asks, what are practical ways we can institute or lobby for sphere sovereignty in our communities? So, sphere sovereignty particularly being, uh, really, I think it's a biblical concept, but the term was coined by Abraham Kuyper. Uh, He was a pastor he was a reformed pastor in the netherlands who also then became prime minister about 120 years ago if i remember right and so sphere sovereignty being god has set up three basic forms of government obviously you got self-government not really counting that but you have the state and god has set the state up with its roles the church has its roles and the family has its roles um and Obviously, there can be some wiggle room for some within within those roles, but that's the basic concept. And so, Casey's asking, how do we cause that to infiltrate society, basically, of thinking rightly and Christianly about what the family should do? Because you often think, well, the church should teach us about Jesus, but the family should, the parents have the primary responsibility to teach their kids about God, right? So, so we could even go there for part of this, right? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know that I have a great answer. Um, I, I think as far I mean, you and your post mill friends might have better <laughs> answers than I do. Um, I'll just say as a pastor um, of a local church, I feel like my responsibility, my platform should be used to advocate for a complementarian home yep. that is a discipleship hub. Yep. And I think any way that we can encourage and reinforce that as a priority when we gather as the church. So, so there, so you have the home sphere, yep. and I think that the the sphere of sovereignty for the local church mm-hmm. involves a few things, not the least of which is promoting and lauding yes the sphere of sovereignty of the home. Yes. You know, we do things like family services here before Sunday where everybody's gathered together. And I'm not saying that 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 we're doing that super well. 
we I think we're doing it pretty well. It, but it's become a point of emphasis. It's become a point of emphasis. Right. At the end of the day, whether or not a particular service and all its pieces flow together well when we've got multiple generations across mm-hmm. the board in, in the sanctuary isn't the point. What it is the point is we are promoting and lauding the home where a complementarian uh, parents, you're called to disciple these children. You're called yep. to have a godly culture in your home, and 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 I think that's important. And then, from the state standpoint, I mean, we here we are. The conversation that we had before we hit record um, is a good one to to think about how what are the ways in which we can promote the state doing what the state's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. laud and encourage the state to do what it's supposed to do well uh, this is just me <laughs> i don't personally and i'm not i'm not binding anyone's conscience to this personally i don't feel like i'm called to use the pulpit mm-hmm. or my social media platforms mm-hmm. or any other public arena that i'm given some level of influence in to laud that sure what i think i am called to do and what i'm on the earth to do is to disciple people who may by virtue of what god has them on the earth to do be in places and spaces where their influence is going to be Mm -hmm. used to promote the state doing what it's God designed purpose is in the earth. And yeah. and whether that's they become politicians or they influence politicians uh, or they work in certain spec, uh, uh, spe- <laughs> sphincters. <laughs> this is what happens when the state mandates uh, <laughs> prostate exams. They start working in sphincters. <laughs> this is what happens when I've been talking since seven o'clock this morning. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, anyway. I don't even remember where I was going with that. What, what my statement was. Uh, that. Equipping and discipling people who would be uh, in informing. certain spheres yes. of influence that could promote that. I think that's what I'm called to do. I'm not saying that's the only way, but I think right. that's the, the church is not called to less than that. Yeah, and, and I like the the word choice there of encourage and laud. Yes, like there should be like my first things that I thought of were talk about it and do it mm-hmm. right. But when you laud and encourage, and in in talking about it, there's a joy, yeah. right? Yep. You you show everybody that there is more joy in actually exercising sphere sovereignty of the family doing what the family is supposed to do, the church doing what it's supposed to do, and the state doing what it's supposed to do, and staying out of the the church and the family, right? Yep. And um, it's easy. It's very easy to come across ham-fisted, heavy-handed kind of stuff with this right Um, it's really easy to go there but if you do it joyfully that just makes it all that much more attractive Mm -hmm. and people are attracted particularly christians are attracted to joy and i'll I'll say this too um and feel free to press me on this and anybody listening can too i think there's an order of priority yes i i think that you know I, I will I would have some serious in-depth loving admonishing kind of conversation with a man for example who is railing about the state mm-hmm. but is not 
being a spiritual leader in his home and take, taking his wife by the hand and praying with her. Yes. Don't, don't, don't even talk to me about the state if you're not doing that. Don't talk to me about the state yep. if you're not submitted to local church eldership and faithfully a part of a Christian community in that way. I don't want to hear yeah. your thoughts about the state. That's really good. Yeah. I, I, I want to see those things in place because it, we we can rail and rant all we want, but right. if you're not living it, you're not going to be effective. And it, it kind of gets into some of our some of the other part of our conversation is particularly in a democratic republic, uh, politics is downstream from the culture. Exactly. So if you ultimately want to change the government, you have to change the culture, and the way you change the culture is by discipleship is individuals coming to know and love Jesus and then living like it. And then that will inform how they vote. Big amen. Yeah. Well, good stuff. We'll just leave it there. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>